This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Fall of the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLS Radio truly values your patronage. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Oh, God, get this out, out of here. Thank God. I, I, want, I want to thank God. Thank time. Thank anything. Thank the Julian calendar. NBA trade season. Yet another microcosm of life, which for me as a basketball fan, I, ha- I get exposed to it, but another minute instance in life that just exemplifies this, that stupidity of greater portions of society, exemplifies how the mainstream media has fallen to the absolute annals of round-the-clock tabloid journalism. It's what it is. It's, it's gone, but only for a little while it's gone, thank goodness, because it is an election year after all, and just I, I don't even want to get into that, but... Happy now. Be happy now. We have some time where we can exhale here. Be content. We are here. Yes, let's do this. Let's go. Today is Sunday, February 21st, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. The trade deadline cometh and goeth. The Boston Celtics did nothing. No trades, no trades, no moves outside of waving David Lee back on Friday. Uh, Thank goodness on that one, by the way. What a colossal waste of time. But this show will not waste your time. That I can promise you of, as today we announce the winner of our ticket giveaway for Thursday the 25th against the Bucks, And we feature the man who may very well have uncovered the Boston Celtics mystery player. That is Steve Bolpet, longtime Celtics beat reporter for the Boston Herald. And for our pregame segment for today's game against the Denver Nuggets, we got Justin Poulin here of Celtics Stuff Live, all on episode number 145 of Celtics Beat, which today is being presented to you by SeatGeek and AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. To receive all the big benefits of small family farm and to eat healthy, log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork. Yes, thank you, Bones. I tell you, I had a great seven-ounce bacon-wrapped Filet Mignon from AFN after the deadline Thursday when myself, Justin, and John Duke went live on CLNSRadio.com. That is available in the archives in the CLNS Radio mobile app. But we went live on CLNSRadio.com during the deadline for live coverage of Thursday's dead deadline. So a really good way to settle down was having that feast because I'm not going to lie. I wanted to see something get done. I want another piece of the team this year to make a run. And as reported by our guest, Steve Volpet of the Boston Herald, Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics seemingly had their eye on one guy, almost had something happen, and by what Ainge said in the radio to what Bullpet reported himself in the Herald on Saturday, seemed as if the Celtics were zoned in on, on one guy, and that being Jaleel Okafor, rookie big man for the Philadelphia 76ers, and at the very last moment, Philly backed out, and then, but the buzzer sounded, that was it, 3 p.m. deadline, and the Celtics were where they are now, not just off the court. But on the court, which, by the way, that got off to a pretty bad start with a 111-93 shellacking at the hands of the Utah Jazz. Want to offer some thoughts of my own before we get Justin Poulin in here. Had concerns 
going into that game. My primary concern being, no, not Utah's front court, which I was very bothered. I didn't. Have, I knew that wasn't a good matchup, and in which that definitely played out in the worst possible way one can possibly imagine, where the Celtics did get thoroughly outplayed, both on what we saw on the television or any other means in which you watched it, and the numbers certainly did tell the same tale as well. They don't always do, but they certainly did. But you watch that game. They got beat up down low. Brad Stevens mentioned it in the postgame. I never really loved these postgame press conferences, but he was, I thought, as honest as he possibly could be and as legitimate as he possibly could be. They did get punched in the mouth, and Utah did keep punching them in the mouth, and that was evident to anyone watching. Didn't catch the box score until the following morning, Saturday, but it was an ugly as there as it was on the TV screen, not with Derek, Derek Favors, 23 points, 9 of 14 shooting. Rudy Gobert, double-double himself in a punctuating dunk and, and one at the end of the game. That really put that one totally out of reach. And the Celtics end, just their bigs. You ready for this? Now, this is combined production from the Celtics' four big men who got regular minutes. 19 points, 19 rebounds on 7 of 25 shooting. That's combined for Sullinger, Amir Johnson, Jonas Jarepko, and Tyler Zeller. That was a concern of mine going into the game. It played out. It was pretty bad. However, oddly enough, my primary concern, especially being with how well the Celtics were playing going into the break, it was just that. The break. Went back. I did a little research. Not much, just a little, a little research, because I know over the years, it's always caught my eye that the Celtics are now two and a half years underplaying under Brad Stevens. They've seemingly struggled when they have multiple days of rest, let alone eight days of rest, but I don't know. I've kept my eye on that over the years, and it's felt like a trend all the way through. We all know how successful they are on back-to-backs or on shorter rests, and it's, I don't know. I really do not know. It feels like you can just go ahead and peg Monday's game in Minnesota as a win because it's a back-to-back and, of course, because that team is awful. But I've never understood what it is with the Celtics on long layoffs. We all remember we looked at their schedule at the end of December and went, wow, the Celtics should go on a roll here. I mean, I know I did. <laughs> I was expecting a long winning streak, and the complete opposite happened. And what was it? You take care of the Knicks on, on Sunday at home, end of December, some was a believe it was like December 27th or somewhere around there. You spend the entire week in your city. You don't play a game until Wednesday at home against the second worst team in the NBA, the Lakers. You lose that. Then you're off again all the way until Saturday, which against the third worst team, you're still in Boston. You play the Nets, the third worst team in the NBA. They lose that too. And it's always been, I just can't figure it out. So as stated, I did a little research. Boston Celtics under Brad Stevens in his two and a half years here now, 15 and 20 with two or more days of rest. 15 and 20. Now, I know you're probably thinking, whoa, LHR, what was their record in that god-awful 2014 season? You might not be able to count that. I, I got that right for you right now. I've broken it down. 6-7 in 2014. They were 6-7 and seven and 14. So that was the best record they've had, actually, in the three in these two and a half years now. 6-7 and seven and 14. 5-9 and nine last year. 4-6 and six this year, including Friday's loss. So even across the board. For the life of me, I have yet to figure this out. I, I'd really like to know why. And I don't know. I do not have an answer or reasonings for this bad trend. I am going to admit it yet. But I, I did bring this up as a primary concern of mine on the pregame show against Utah on Friday. Ooh, some of you may be asking. Some of you, maybe not all of you, by the way, are, are asking, what's this pregame show that I am referring to? Well, here's a little programming note for you. CLS Radio's leading coverage, leading online coverage of the Boston Celtics is now even more comprehensive than ever. From the Boston Celtics postgame show to the Garden Report and to this show, Celtics Beat, CLNS Radio will now provide basketball fans game day coverage before anyone else in the lead up to tip off the all new Boston Celtics pregame show with LHR. Yes, that is me. 
will be released on CLNSRadio.com on game day at 4 p.m. Eastern time, making it the first pregame show to air anywhere. Download the CLNS Radio mobile app today so you do not miss a show. Our first guest on the pregame show was Utah Jazz Radio play-by-play voice David Locke. That is now in the archives on CLNSRadio.com and in the mobile app as well. But talked about it on the show with David, talked about it to you. Concerned that a long layoff, the Celtics have now developed a trend. I would call 35 games enough for it to form a trend. That is not a sample size. Concerned of this trend of why they are Quite frankly, not a very good team with extended layoffs between games. And as, as stated, I, I do not know why. So feel free to pitch to me in the Facebook group, your theories, facebook.com slash Beat. But now looking ahead to today, it is the Boston Celtics pregame segment for today's game against the Denver Nuggets, which tips off at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Celtics have one day off worth of rest, which they, most of it was done traveling. But our chat with Justin Poulin, who's today's guest for the pregame segment, Justin is of Celtic Stuff Live. That is brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. A consumer should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to. And American Farmers Network's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond even USDA regulations and all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed from poultry to pork and, of course, beef. AFN's family ranchers are committed to providing you and your family with the Healthiest, most nutritious meat, so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. What are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com right now and eat and live healthy today. And also, you have also my recommendation. You're going to be eating one of the most delicious foods you possibly can. Justin Poulin, he's in the house. Justin, before we get to today's game against Denver, got to ask you to take a crack at what you may feel are the reasons for the Celtics struggles under Brad Stevens when the team, this team's got extended layoff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, Larry, I think one of the major reasons why is because they really don't have that superstar. I know they didn't acquire one at the deadline, and we had a nice show the other day uh, regardless of that. Show. But I will say I, I just don't think that this team – uh, is a solid team with that time off because it takes everybody being on the same page. And I just think doing it every day, especially when you look at that record on the second game of back-to-backs, it really spells it out. It's like they never have a lack of effort. They never have a lack of energy. They're young. They're a deep squad. So if Brad manages them pr- properly, he gets a lot out of a little. And we've known that. We've known that this team really isn't a team that's going to be able to take home a championship as constituted but they're a ton of fun to watch and it's because they play with that energy i just think after a few days off they have a hard time getting together it was interesting the brad stevens quote after the loss against utah hey guys you're a bunch of professionals there's no shaking the rust off here that's the best explanation that i've had because in the opening i was befuddled myself i just didn't quite understand it and you i really do agree with you with that rhythm and even when you talk about the back-to-backs, at least with the back-to-backs, you can say, well, it's a young team. I believe they're one of the youngest teams in the NBA, if not the youngest team in the NBA. So you can understand why they play so well with the back-to-backs and they can get away with it. But it just really just confused me why they've been so bad uh, in the past two and a half years in posting that record. And they, same thing, Friday night. They just, it's, I know they got really beat up down low, but they also really just didn't seem to have it. We should talk a little bit about Friday night before we get into today's game against Denver, be it, it being a pregame show after all. But I talked about Friday. Concern, once again, I mentioned the pregame show with David Locke. Concern about Utah's front court. Unequivocally, that was a difference in the game. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just have to add something else is the fact that you and I talked about this the last time I did a pregame segment. The Celtics just don't have room for a letdown because they don't have a superstar who can just carry them down the stretch. And they really rolled over against the Jazz. I mean, you're right, but I just don't – the down the stretch, I mean, we wound up seeing Jordan Mickey minutes. And how many games in this last winning streak or even leading up to that in, in late 2015 in December before they really went flat for a three-week stretch – did we see this team fight? They were down by 14 with five minutes left to go. How many times have they climbed back into a game? But against the Jazz, they really just didn't have that fight and aggressiveness. So it's not just rust. It was almost like there just wasn't the effort there either. Maybe the, maybe the trade deadline stuff shook up a little bit. I just thought more so it really had anything to what was going on on the court. I think there was a lot to do with I, – I, I, I don't know. It's really tough, on the, especially with me and you being on the outside – being able to gauge how much the trade deadline had played on the emotions of the players. we've As we've already said, we can see how much the team has struggled with extended rest. But I just think that was almost like watching a football game in the 1970s back uh, on <laughs> Friday night where it's give, give, the guy the, give the guy the ball and run it up right up the gut. That's sort of what Utah was doing. They were just going down low, down low, down low, and just overpowering the Celtics on both ends of the court. I actually talked about it yeah. earlier on how – the Celtics bigs were getting dominated. I mean, the, the numbers were heinous. I think it was something like 7 of 25 shooting. So Utah just had their way in the paint on both ends of the court. Well, how much did they miss Kelly Olynyk oh, in that game, too, offensively? That. I haven't mentioned his name yet in the show. I See, I don't think they missed him too much last night. And I, I and do. I, haven't I, I do because – I do, Larry, just because they didn't, they didn't have the spacing that they were looking and I was for. I bring that up, and that's what David Locke said on the pregame show was the spacing. No, a, yeah. a, they don't have that dynamic. Issue. No one else no, they, can. It's like when a guy gets hurt, Justin, the name of the game, obviously, you know, the, the Patriots thing, next guy up, and you do your best to replace the production. But the Celtics can't replace the dynamic with Kelly Olynyk. There's nobody on the team that can spread the floor. And David Locke, the Jazz radio play-by-play, said in the Celtics pregame on CLNS that there's, just, there's no one else. I mean, Jared Sollinger, who's having a good year, you let a he's guy like Jared Sullinger shoot. He's still one or two okay. steps inside the three-point line with his shot. Olenek is definitely a threat. He definitely spaces the floor. He's a guy, really, I think when we talked about uh, on Celtic Stuff Live a couple of weeks ago, before the trade deadline, he was somebody I, I thought, I'm not so sure this is somebody we want to get rid of. When you and I have talked about who's expendable in the rotation, Sully's always the one comes up, and it's like, well, as long as we get somebody back with some rebounding, yeah, we want to rebound. stay in that top ten. But losing somebody like Olenek definitely hurts this team. Uh, I think they need that that spacing. There's no doubt because Sullinger still grabbed the rebounds, but things got clogged up, and I know Thomas still had his points, uh, and he still got to the free throw line, and he was, you know, he still fought, you know, the way he fights every day in a game, and, and maybe Thomas's effort wasn't, you know, so much to blame, but spacing was definitely an issue against Utah. They're going to be hurting. It's a good thing that they have a bunch of games, including the one against the Nuggets today, uh, against lesser teams, because they might be able to mask this loss. And even Jordan Mickey is not going to give them, he's not going to add what the team is missing. They don't have it. Depth is everything. Jay Crowder was insulted 
by the fact that fans and media were talking about the trade. He said, we are one all-star as a team. And I agree with that. But the problem is because they don't have a dominant force on that squad, guys like Kelly Olenek, when they go out, are going to hurt the performance of the squad. They need everybody. Yeah, I was just ready to ask you in regards to regards to Olenek. I don't – I mean – Obviously, it was an issue missing him Friday night, but in terms of him being the difference of the game, I just don't know. Not with the way Utah down, dominated down low, and they ended up losing by 18 points. And I was really – I thought you answered the question, though, on your own. You were talked about how they don't really have that many tough teams on the schedule. Denver tonight, Minnesota tomorrow, Milwaukee Thursday. I was ready to ask you, are there any specific spots on the schedule in which you identified in which you can say, boy, the Celtics are really going to need Kelly Olenek now within this possible next month in which he's going to be out. Well, they have a, they have the Heat game coming up on the 27th, and two days later they have a rematch against the Jazz. And, you know, they own they, – they beat the Miami Heat in the only other matchup this season. I mean, I think they are going to need a Linux for both games. And I guess what I'm concerned about is that, you know, the next three games, the ones you just mentioned, Nuggets, Timberwolves, and Bucks, they really need to win all three of those. Uh, I do think they're going to split the two games against the Heat and Jazz. I just don't know way, which way each one will fall. So they really need to, to tag three wins in a row. But I can almost see it where they lose this game tonight against the Nuggets somehow and then come back and finally hit their stride again. You feel like tomorrow's Monday the automatic. Against the Timberwolves. Yeah, I think tomorrow, just because of what you said. Back. Yeah, Minnesota the statistics, stinks. They stink, and it's the second game of a back-to-back. That's how they get their rhythm going. Quite but here's the concern again. Then they've got, and then they've got Tuesday and Wednesday off before they face the Bucs. Well, so well. This, just as long as this doesn't look like what happened over the holidays, you know, I'll be really happy. But that's why I think they, they really have to come out like pros. And I just thought after being insulted like they were, they would have put up a lot better fight against Utah. So hopefully they do against these three lesser opponents in a row. Well, in regards to that Bucks game, usually teams, when they come back from West Coast road trips, it's always that first game back at home that you always come out flat. I think there's been yeah. two instances this year where the Celtics have had extended road trips. I know one of the games was against Chicago. I believe the other was against Indiana. Well, that was a very lucky win with those steals. But in the two instances, I believe, where the Celtics have had road trips and they've come back home, they've, put, they've won games. So I guess the Bucks game on Thursday night, that's in that instance. But it's very, it's, that's a tough game a lot of times historically for teams when they have road trips and they play different ga- games in different time zones. Then you finally come back home. You're always under the assumption that, oh, well, they're home. They're going to come out fired up. But they're always flat. But we're not talking about the Bucks game. That's this Thursday, the 25th. Got, this is the Celtics pregame segment, so we're, we're finally on today. <laughs> we're finally on today's game against the Nuggets. You know, the Celts actually have had some good recent history against Denver. I, they they've dropped off the Nuggets themselves in the last uh, few years now. But so the Celts have won four of the last five meetings with Denver, including a game last year, which I felt was the turning point in that season when Avery Bradley had a game ceiling shot, and they got two really good wins on a back to back. They beat Portland the night before. They had one in Denver that following night. It was around the end of January last year. The team has never really looked back under Brad Stevens. But that was last year. This is this year. This is tonight. Both teams are coming off losses back on Friday night. Denver is at home where you have to deal with the altitude. However, the Celtics are not the Patriots. They can win in Denver. And the Nuggets themselves, they don't uh-huh. have much of a home court advantage. They're 11-15 at home. I think they're 22-33 and 33 going in today's game, somewhere around that. But how do you feel generally about today's game before we get into any of the breakdowns? 
Yeah, like I said, I'm a little concerned about the game. Um, I, I'm concerned that there could be a, another letdown. One to ten. What's that? Your, your concern level on a one to ten. Uh, a seven. Oh, I knew you were going to say seven. I mean, it's the same friggin' thing. I've asked Nick Gelsaw about the game Friday night. Oh, how do you feel? Like you know of. Your confidence. I don't want to. I think I like a seven. I'm like, oh, it's. But go ahead, Justin. Well, here's what's ironic, right? So one of the targets that we knew Danny Ainge was going after was Gallinari, and the target that myself and many other fans were hoping he would go after, you know, was Hayward. And and these are the two back to back games. I just, I, you know, I'm concerned. Again, that they're just not going to figure it out yet. Uh, I think they could have yet another letdown game on the road. Um, Sunday games in the past, I, I know it's not an afternoon game, you know, five in terms o'clock. of on the East Coast, it's broadcasting weird, it's at time. five. But being out on the West Coast, that is an afternoon game. It does traditionally be a letdown. The last time they had a Sunday afternoon game, though, we didn't see a letdown, and we did see a lot of effort. They've got a lot of reasons to come back and fight. But something just tells me that this all-star break is going to throw the team off a little bit because there was a ton of time to talk about their success. And sometimes that can be a distraction of actually performing successfully on the court. I feel like they've got one more letdown before they right the ship against the Timberwolves. Hopefully we'll look back at that Friday Utah game and say, oh, that was, you know, that was perfect. That was like losing the second to last game or the last game of the season when you're undefeated before you head into the playoffs like in football where that, oh, let's get that one out. Let's get that one out of the way. Let's shake it off, and then let's go on a stretch run. There's 26 games left on the season. Hopefully that can be a leapfrog game for Utah, but I I still think it's going to take one more bitch slapping before this team kind of puts the pieces back together. And hopefully they can use that to launch themselves, not only against the remaining lesser opponents, but maybe they can even get a couple of wins against Miami and and the Utah Jazz again on on the back stretch when they get home again. Yeah, I get that insinuation too. I'm sort of with you. I thought there was a lot, a lot of just the, the any time there seems to be this praise that's heaped upon the Too Celtics much. over an extended period of time. Be it uh, going back to the middle of December, that's also when they went on that bad, bad stretch on the holidays. And now, now, I guess I don't know. Historically, I, I'm sort of with you. I just get that insinuation. Today just does not feel right. Even though this is not a very good Denver team, even though Denver this year they're not good at home. But that's sort of abstract ways of looking at it, Justin. Even though I'm with you, what about from a concrete standpoint? Is there anything that sort of will you look at with Denver? With be it individual players, you mentioned Gallinari, Denver. That's probably their strength. They do have some good there at the wing, for lack of a better word. I know Will Barton has had a real breakout year for them coming off the bench. He backs up Gallinari, who's still producing. So they have some depth at that forward spot. But that's really about it. Are there any individuals on Denver that concerns you that I did not name there or anything that they do as a team that you could look into saying, well, the Celtics need to watch out for this? No, I mean, traditionally this season we've seen the Celtics do a pretty nice job of playing against the Western Conference, just that style of basketball, which should play into their hands. And to your point, you know, the the uh, power forward center position may not – they may not get bullied the way that they did on Friday night against Utah, but you never know 100%. But I really think – I think Gallinari is really the wild card. I mean, I know you asked me, is there anybody else on this team that scares me? It really – The answer really is no, not. to be honest with you. It no. Be no. It, this, this should be a win. That That's why I'm calling it on the reverse, you know, and maybe I'm trying to do – you know, maybe the you know, maybe I'm kind of the Mike Gorman, the Mike Gorman almost. 
at the right. Throw yeah, line. exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna call the the foul shot before it goes, and then we wind up. You know, we see we see him make the miss. Um, you know, Wilson Chandler, Kenneth Ferried, those guys are are definitely strong players. Um, you know, they got nice guard play from the rookie, who I always botch pronouncing his name, Moutier. but um, Emmanuel Moutier. Moutier. I always want to say Mudaye. I don't know why, but Moutier. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I think it should be a win. I'm just concerned that this team is going to come out flat again. And if they do come out flat, they're gonna they're gonna succumb to the Western Conference style of play. If they come out with energy and they continue to and attacking the basket is something they're going to have to continue to do, and they're going to have to force some of that. I think Jay Crowder is going to have to be in attack mode. And I know he can hit the three ball, but because they miss Olenek, and, and maybe somebody like Tyler Zeller can get into this game and space it out a little bit, and Jared Selinger can space it out just enough, but I think that Jay Crowder is really going to have to attack the basket, uh, not just Isaiah Thomas, for them to really, uh, to really take home a win tonight. i tell you one thing that, if, that I will be watching for if they do end up losing this game today, which, once again, we hope we don't. But what I'm definitely going to watch for is if they do lose, and they lose now back-to-back games out west, will be the reaction of fans, especially towards Danny Ainge. Like, oh, why didn't you offer just a little bit more to get that so-called star player in here to really do something? You know that's going to come up. You know that's coming up. Oh, absolutely. Especially on the post-game it- show. Well, and we're not even sure, you know, the rumors came out that there was, that they were very close and that the other team, uh, that the player was never rumored and the other team supposedly backed Still away. Before. That, that could be. That was the name apparently maybe, from Steve Bullpett this morning. The Steve Bullpett Who's coming it, right. up later on this show. So we will find maybe, out him. Maybe, maybe not, right? I, this could also be smokescreen to pacify the fan base. I mean, let's let's face it. Although usually when Bullpat reports something and makes yeah, a link no, like it's, that, no, it's, it's the truth. <clears throat> but you have to wonder how close they really were, and uh, what kind of a sweetheart deal. I mean, Okafor might have fit in really nice, but you're absolutely right. If they go flat down, let's say let's say they go thirteen and thirteen in the remaining, you know, twenty six games, they might fall to the fourth seed, uh, maybe even the fifth seed if that happens, but. All intents and purposes, this would have been a pretty successful season. I, I think some people were saying they wouldn't even get to 45 wins. So, you know, if they, if they walk away with mid-40s, I predicted 44 wins on the I was season. At 43. So if they, if they land mid-40s, you know, anything above what you and I said, I still think they overachieved. But you're right. Danny's going to wind up taking sh- He's going to, you know, get some shots about not making a big deal at the trade deadline and really launching them. However, it probably was the best move. The other teams are not going to give up, uh, give up a star player without knowing that they can get one by having one of the top two picks in this draft. And until that lottery happens, I think most teams were going to be hesitant. I just thought the gamble was 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 still there uh, in some opportunities, but clearly it wasn't. Justin Poulin, catch him every Mondays on CLNS Radio on Celtic Stuff Live and also the CLNS Radio Celtics Post Game Show. You can follow Justin on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin. Justin, thanks so much for stopping by, per usual. All right, Larry, anytime. That is, I think, going to be the storyline. By the way, again, Justin Poulin, Celtics Stuff Live. But that, I think, is going to be the storyline if the Celtics do lose later today, which I don't know. I'm... I'm with Just- I don't make predictions, but this one just doesn't really feel right. I admit to using the force here. This has less less to do with how I look things 
going into that Utah game where I felt the Celtics, that was a bad matchup, and they were in a bad spot coming off the long break. But this game, I just don't like the game. This is all intuitions. I know it's it's odd. Denver, yes, they are bad. They don't have much on that roster outside of a couple guys at the small forward spot. Not much individual talent that can really produce on that team. Point blank, they are not good. Boston should win. But I don't know. It just does not feel right. I hope my intuitions are off. But if they do lose, I swear, that which I will be watching for will be the reaction of fans. Because you know there are going to be portions of the fan base. While I got the impression after Thursday they were content. I wonder if there are going to be cries of Danny should have thrown another pick in that Philly package for Okafor or whatever. But we can kind of get into that with Steve. But we should be able to find out that as well with fan reaction right on the CLNS Radio Celtics postgame show, which goes live on CLNSradio.com immediately after the final buzzer against Denver. can listen or even call in and be one of those fans to get your voice heard at 347-215-7771 if you want to get on these airwaves. We're going to see where that goes after the game. But anyways, there's also something that I've said on here so far more than halfway into the show. I've dragged this out long enough. Time to announce the winner on Twitter. Here it is, at I Love Selena 17. That is at I Love Selena 17. Congratulations. Send me a message on Twitter, at Cielonis underscore LHR, and we'll take care of you. Get you those Bucks tickets for the 25th on Thursday. Fans, our next available game is March 2nd against the Portland Trailblazers. Entry is simple. Simply follow at Celtics underscore beat on Twitter. That is at Celtics underscore beat, and you are in the contest. We will pick one lucky winner at a later date to be announced. And if you want to get a head start on the rest of games, there are we are giving away games throughout all of 2016 to go see the Celtics at the Garden. Head on over to Facebook.com slash Celtics beat. That is Facebook.com slash Celtics beat. Still have plenty of games that we're going to be giving away throughout the rest of this regular season. And, and if there is a game you really, really want to attend, such as the Celtics return to the Garden on Thursday against the Bucks, if you missed out on the contest, well, just go ahead and download the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek, have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they all try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That is why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy tickets and sell sports and concert tickets. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I just used it the other day to look at tickets for the Bucks game on the 25th. SeatGeek aggregates all available tickets online into one place to save you time and money. The SeatGeek app enables you to set alerts for upcoming events, and SeatGeek themselves let you know if ticket prices fall. Listeners of Celtic Speed, you get... A $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Here is how to get your $20 rebate on tickets. Download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code, and enter promo code CELTICSBEAT. All one word, CELTICSBEAT. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So just download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code, one word, this is promo code CELTICSBEAT today. Mentioned briefly with Justin about the mystery trade which Danny Ainge brought up in a few radio interviews back on Friday. Steve Bullpett in Saturday's Herald cited a league source who feels that very well could have been a package for Philadelphia 76ers rookie big man Jalil Okafor. Guess so happens to be our featured guest here on Celtics Beat. Why? Steve Bullpett, longtime Celtics Beat reporter for the Herald. He's here. Steve, first off, 
you broke the Kevin Garnett trade back in 2007. Of course, many other news stories as well. We all remember that as the big one. So congrats on possibly cracking the code this year. I tell you what, though. It's interesting how the reaction of the deadline, that no matter what happened, be it Ainge making a move for a rental player, which I would have had no issue of, or just staying pat, which is what ended up happening, it seems like there was almost already narrative set in stone, largely due to the fact that Danny's built up so much goodwill with prior success of building a title team and now doing what we think is a methodical job at possibly doing it again. But Ainge goes on record and has been reported by you in the Herald over the last few days, and there was something big in the works that just came unglued at the very last moment, and by then the buzzer sounded. But I love it. I mean, once again, the so-called pundits, they all have reasonings for why it's working out for the Celtics. Now, as we know, things can certainly change with them in the course of the next few days. The Celtics drop a few more games. But, Steve, what do you make so far of the reaction here from a lot of the outside observers? Well, um, you know, I think people see, you know, what's, what's out there and i think they trust that uh if there was a good offer that was available to the celtics they would do it um and i think that one of the luxuries that the celtics have is that um their fan base by and large is not looking for quick fixes and moves that might bring in a a decent player but could hurt the product in the long run. I think that Celtic fans, for the most part, have a good grasp of what the long-range goals are for this team. So apparently Danny was working very hard on a potential big deal. It doesn't go through. You've covered it in your stories recently in the Boston Herald and on bostonherald.com. I tell you, Steve, while Ainge has been zeroed in on something, or we think, I myself was hoping for regardless for maybe Danny to get a head start on possibly moving some of those draft selections. Doesn't have to be the Nets pick per se, but he's got eight picks going into this year's draft in June. Owner Rick Grosbeck has gone on record saying the Celtics will not make all those picks. I was hoping Ainge would get a head start, not just to improve this year's team, but because the selections may decline in value as we get closer to the draft. In your eyes, is it worrisome at all that the value of these assets or whatever you may want to call them may not be there on draft day or in the lead up as they are now because every other team in the league knows Danny may have to trade them? No, uh, because uh, when you have taking all the draft picks and and actually making those picks isn't really a bad thing. Uh, you know, if you get a a pick later in the first round or in the second round, you get to take chances on players. It uh, doesn't mean they're all going to wind up on your team. And Celtics have guys now that I that that can play in the NBA that haven't seen the light of day, uh, but they get to develop them. They get to you know. Uh, take sh- you can take a shot on a guy. Uh, uh, you can grab a guy that's going to be in Europe for the next couple of years if you've got an extra pick floating around. So I think all these picks have value. And in, in particular, when you have multiple picks, it allows you to take some chances and uh, take a flyer here or there, knowing that uh, if one of those picks comes through, um, you know, you've made a good move. Look at the Draymond Green is a second-round pick. I'm not saying that there are Draymond Greens sitting there in every second round, but um, you know, having those extra picks and being able to um, look look for those opportunities, I think, has a value of in and of itself. Excuse me. But I, we did hear Wick Grossbeck in a recent radio interview say point blank in regards to the picks, and this is a pretty much a direct quote that, quote-unquote, we can't make all those picks. And I know last year they ended up doing that. They ended up picking four players. 
Now, they have five second-round picks. They definitely don't have to make five second-round picks. They can sell those. They can pick the players. They can stash the players overseas. But they do have three first-round draft selections, and those are players that are under guaranteed contracts. They're not that much money. It's just a couple million dollars. But they are roster spaces that very well could be that the Celtics don't have. And we just saw how aggressive the Celtics were last offseason in trying to move up. They announced it on their Twitter feed, for goodness sake, how aggressive they were in moving up. I just don't see how it's at all mathematically possible to pick not just second rounders, but three first rounders to put on their team for next year. Well, you may pick three first rounders, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be on your team next year. Uh, If what you pick is better than what you have, then you trade what you have and keep those other guys or vice versa. Um, You know, the picks are available. You know what I mean? You, You can, you can make deals with guys. Um, so I don't, I don't, you know, to think that they were, they should just give away a pick or, you know, to, to grab a rental player. Um, you know, I I don't, I don't think makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you you don't want to, if you're bringing in a rental player at, at the very, at the best, he's helping you win a few more games this year, but you're not going to win a championship. And in that process, he's taking up minutes of a guy that you want to play, that you want to develop. And I don't see where that benefits your team at all. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because I actually do think there is value in making a run this year. Not obviously they're not going to win a championship this year because the team isn't good enough and also because there's two dominant teams out west that are challenging for 70 wins. But I do think there's value in making a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. It's odd because as you've reported in, in, in past Members of the organization last year weren't all too pleased when they made the postseason. So does it go without saying that they really they don't put as much value on making a run to the Eastern Conference Finals as, say, someone like myself and other fans may do? No, last year was different because they that they had their their own pick was their first round pick. This year they have the the Nets pick to to be the to to go fishing for the for the high lottery. Um, this year, the Celtics would like to make a, a decent run, um, but because they want to make sure they want it to to seem and appear to uh, potential free agents, potential trade targets, that this is an up and coming team and a place that they should want to play. Um, so the team would like to make a run, but um, you know you have to balance the cost of everything. Um, last year, the Celtics I think made two mistakes: uh, making the playoffs. Because it, you know, it cuts you out of a chance to to get a lottery pick. Hey, look, they could have drafted Justice Winslow on their own had they not made the uh, playoffs last year, perhaps. Uh, and secondly, they, the other mistake was you made that run and you really didn't give guys like uh, like well, in particular a guy Kelly Olynyk the kind of minutes that might have made him a more valuable player, either to keep or to trade in the uh, in last off season. So I mean, you, you know, you've got to. You've got to get players. You've got to build value. Everyone still thinks that, uh, you know, well, uneducated people still think that the Celtics got Kevin Garnett because Kevin McHale is, and Danny Ainge are friends. And the fact remains that the the Timberwolves were that McHale was told he had to move Garnett, and that the best he got offered was the Celtics package led by Al Jefferson. This, the other thing he was looking at was uh, Lakers. the Laker package with yeah. Andrew Bynum. And so you have to build value in players. And the Celtics had built value in Al Jefferson to the point where he could fetch them Kevin Garnett 
which helps set them up for a championship. Um, not saying that uh, that Kelly Olynyk is even at Al Jefferson's level, but you have to develop your guys and give them value, whether it's real value or perceived value in the marketplace. So um, I think it's important that those guys get, get minutes and, and play. Do you feel, I'm going to ask a personal question, do you feel that the Celtics are doing that now? And I can even ask you if you would want to share, do you think the Celtics really feel that they're doing that now, or they believe they have four or five guys on this team that have legitimate value in this league, where while they can't be centerpieces for very good players and trades, obviously that is going to be the Nets pick or the Nets picks or these other draft choices. But are there pl- enough players on this team or even singular players that you can identify and say that Team X, Team Y, Team Z could say, we definitely got to have this guy? Oh, no, absolutely. After, after spending the last week on the phone, I can tell you that there are a lot of players in the Celtics that are attractive to other teams. They're not outside of maybe a, uh, an Isaiah Thomas uh they're not like the, the, the star-type players, but everybody – Jay Crowder can help every team in the league. You know, maybe he'd be a, a duplication of services to a degree on Golden State, but I know Cle- a team like Cleveland would love to have a Jay Crowder. Um, you know, these guys – Avery Bradley for his defensive prowess. Uh, you know, Marcus Smart. These guys are, are, t- are players that other teams called the Celtics about. Um, they've they've got value, and I think the Celtics realize that not only do these guys have value, but the guys they have behind them that we haven't seen much of uh, have also, you know, they, the Celtics know what they can do to uh, to whatever extent they can at this point here. A guy like Terry Rozier, a guy like Jordan Mickey, even uh, R.J. Hunter, these are guys who can play in the NBA and, you know, but they don't have to get thrown into the fire right now. Um, the Celtics know to a fair extent what they have in those guys, so I think it makes it easier if the right deal comes along to move someone who might be ahead of them right now on the depth chart. Yeah, I was ready to actually even ask you because you mentioned those three names, and it's a very Boston thing to do to identify young players if they're going to be the savior, especially if a team stays slips they lose, say, something like four out of five games. There's always a guy like, oh, get Jordan Mickey in there. Jordan Mickey was called up. Is there any chance that the Celtics could try to squeeze some minutes for maybe possibly Mickey, Hunter, and Rogier at the end of the year to do just that? Obviously, not even just develop them, but possibly to the point where they could show some flashes so that maybe they could be included in trades this summer. Yeah, that's certainly possible. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on um, on how the rotation is health-wise. Um, you've got a, a Kelly Olynyk injury, uh, you know, things like that happen. Guys get opportunities. Uh, uh, several years ago, uh, Avery Bradley was essentially buried. Then uh, Ray Allen got hurt, and the Celtics went with Michael Peterson in his first game. He got hurt, and all of a sudden Avery Bradley's playing, and w- where he probably should have been getting minutes all along, he gets his opportunity and comes in and plays the kind of defense that got the Celtics back in gear in that season. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it's, it's def- there's definitely uh, a possibility that, um, you know, guys like that could get minutes and, you know, build value perhaps, um, but also just to get the kind of minutes that you need to not just get better for yourself but, but understand what it takes so that when they get to the offseason they go, okay, I think I'm pretty good, but I, now I know how good I need to be to play in this league and be consistent. 
And Mickey's a guy that could very but possibly get minutes with Kelly Olenek out. Jared Sullinger, he's not someone who – it's funny you mentioned – I always say – I always kind of laugh at this guy like Jared Sullinger. They say, well, if this guy was playing 35 minutes a game, and it's like, hey, just an FYI, Jared Sullinger physically cannot play 35 minutes in a game. It's an injury waiting to happen. But it should be interesting here on, on this West Coast trip if a guy like Mickey does squeeze in and get some minutes. I know there are a lot of people who are clamoring to see him, largely because he is that great unknown but it should be interesting to see if a guy like Mickey gets in. Anyway, Steve, last question in regards to the deadline. There were a lot of sort of stories that were coming out. I was just sort of a question if you want to give us sort of an in-depth look at the media. How much of it now has it changed as opposed to, say, 10 years ago in regards to social media where everything from exploratory discussions – and I had this conversation with Adrian Wojnarowski on a show here a few weeks ago where almost every single exploratory call is reported in the media. How does someone like you who's been on the beat for almost 30 years now, broke the Kevin Garnett trade back in 2007 in July, how did someone like yourself who's a veteran sort of adapt – to the new method of really just constant news, even if it isn't news, has to get out there to appease the masses. Well, no, you don't. I mean, I've been actually I've been on it more than thirty years, but uh, and I feel every. I want to make you after, feel younger then. After this week, uh, yeah, it. I don't get into the you know um, dealing with false stuff. Um, there are things that get put out there. Uh, by agents, by certain teams will try to put stuff out there. And I think it's up to the reporter to do the work and find out whether that's true or not. Uh, you've got to, you know, you've got to decide on which sources you trust, which sources you cannot trust. Um, the reporting that the Celtics were in a negotiation with the Rockets for Dwight Howard was BS, and I think it was maybe even the week before the the trade deadline. I did a story on this and saying, just you know, when Houston calls and said, "Will would you give us A, B, C, and D for Dwight Howard?" and the Celtics say no, that's not a negotiation. You know, I mean, a negotiation means you're going back and forth to in my idea anyway. So you know, to say that the Celtics are talking to them about you know uh, about uh, Dwight Howard. Um, to put it in those terms, you may be in, in a literal sense correct, but you're giving off the wrong message. You're not uh, serving your readers. You're not telling them the, the, the truth uh, in, in, its, in context. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's important that if someone's going to take the time to read your stuff, you owe it to them to, you know, to be, to do the work to, to find, find things out. Um, you know, there are things that get that I think benefit teams. They they might want to Houston might want to put in while we're we're talking to the Celtics to try to get other teams to get into yeah, the there's, fray. There's a lot of negotiating in the media. That's just, that's for sure. Yeah, but it's like you know, uh, and, and there's also a lot of cases where someone will report something, and other reporters will essentially report that instead of instead of re- doing their own work or uh, you know. Uh, those things get passed around to the point where it becomes, you know, uh, a truism. It's, it's uh, things take on a life of their own. Um, the Celtics were never um, uh, interested in a lot of things that that uh, that have been reported that they were involved on. Uh, the the Al Horford situation was not anything that got 
far at all. It just it wasn't there. The Celtics didn't want to pay him uh, when he becomes a free agent. And, you know, didn't want to pay him what... Uh, Atlanta wanted uh, the Nets picks, too, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it, of course, everyone wants that. You know what I mean? But it's just, there's... You have to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. And, um, you know, I, I, there are a lot of people that do it. There are a lot of reporters that do it. And, and those are the ones that I think that, uh, you know, I, I, you, I would pay more attention to. I would too, but that's getting harder and harder. It's almost like there's going to have to be some sort of like regulation in that sense because with <laughs> with well with Twitter, I mean, like like you said, I think that's really how everything is going now. If anyone, especially if it's reported at a mainstream site or a site that someone deems credible, all it takes is for one or two other, or three other outlets to pick it up. That being the blogs, and once the blogs get it, everyone else it sort of creates. It's almost like a wildfire where it's just oh well, we have to get it too, and then like you said, it takes on a life of its own. Yeah, I mean, look, the way I look at these things and, you know, it, for me anyway, it's just that I, I'd love to be first with, stu- with, with stuff. Um, but the, the, the happiness of being first would be marginal compared to the, the pain of being wrong. That would hurt a lot worse. Um, and it's um it, but it's it's interesting to know people's thirst for what's going on. I mean, it was a few summers ago we were in Las Vegas and I think it was the Courtney Lee deal with the the Celtics when the Celtics acquired him. We were in the middle of that um on all sides reporting it on Twitter like as it was happening. You know, it's okay here now well now this team is pulled out and now there's a third team and now there's you know there's another team involved as the third team. And it was funny. You had half the people saying, this is great. And half the people saying, well, just tell us when it's done. So it's, you know, <laughs> be careful what you ask for. It's like, you know, it, it can be a little strange. Yeah. And there's and the, the last question, Steve, before you go, you've given us a lot of time. And I think this has been a very intriguing part of the conversation. There's so, it seems like to me, there's so much pressure in that, you know, say, I mean, I don't even want to say the powers that be or the powers above, they may put on not just any reporter that it's almost like you have to report on something, even if there is nothing, just to kind of make it look like you're being on the job. I will disagree with one point you made that, that this is intriguing. I, I, <laughs> I think people, you know, for the most part, don't give a rat's ass about, you know, about our, our jobs and, and, and how we have to go about it. Um, I, I think they, I think they want to. I think they want to see, they want to see product. They want information. They want good information. Um, and I think over time, uh, people will um, will understand, you know, the people they can trust. Um, and I think it's important too that you know, like my my editors do not, you know, do not push for things that aren't there, um, and. Like during the course of a day, if nothing's happening, I don't want to, you know, fill up a timeline with, you know, because people are, are will be tweeting in saying, what's the latest? What's the latest? And the latest is, you know, the phone stuck in my ear and, and uh, was still trying to find things out. Um, you know, I, I do apologize for, you know, uh, taking a picture out the window of the hotel in Salt Lake City on Thursday. And, you know, but that's, I don't know. It it gets a little strange, but um, I think you have to balance it and, and figure out what's best for you. 
and for the people that, that have come to, to follow you or read you. Steve Bullpett, longtime beat reporter, Celtics beat reporter for the Boston Herald. You can follow Steve on Twitter at Steve B. Hoop. Steve, thanks so much for joining us once again to make it the trifecta here on Celtics Beat. Be well, sir. Yeah, that was uh, that was good stuff. I got that was this to me. I'm sorry. I find it fascinating because it allows you to see through the shadows or to be able to identify what you are seeing that are shadows or in some instances seeing the real thing. The allegory of the cave by Plato, huh? Listen, I can tell you a lot of editors or producers at reputable outlets that we think are. We may think that something is credible just because it comes from three or four letter networks, but with the media now being strictly for profit, they just don't care. They just want those clicks. They want those views without caring about the audience whatsoever, without caring if something is true or not. So do fans identify what is real to see and heck identify those in the media who you can trust and who have proven over the course of many years now that they adhere to the principles and ideals that should make a journalist such as you heard him, Steve Bullpett of the Boston Herald. So again, get out of that cave. People read The Allegory of the Cave by Plato. Talked about this extensively, too, with Adrian Wojnarowski of The Vertical a few weeks back as well on episode number one or three, I believe, if one wants to go back and listen to that and get deeper into this type of conversation, into how the modern media works, not just at the sports level, but all, all aspects of life. Anyways, let's wrap up the show by bringing back something that we have not done in eons here on Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Yes, th- there it is, the music around the NBA in five. Let's roll. Dallas Mavericks consider the front runners to sign David Lee. Hate to say it, but I do not think it is the case of David Lee not being a good fit here in Boston. I think David Lee is all done. Stick a fork in him. I thought the Celtics tried everything for him to make it work. Just flat out comes down to the fact that he doesn't have anything left. Thought it was propaganda on the Warriors' part last year to say David Lee did not play because he lost his job to an injury. I think that's complete nonsense. That should have been a red flag to anyone that he could never muster any serious playing time on a team that had no problem going 9-10 to deep and were consistently blowing teams out by 20-plus as frequently as the 2015 Golden State Warriors were. That was propaganda. That was noise from their end to try to move them and get out of that contract for the season so they could pay a little less in luxury tax. And they successfully did. They found a taker in the Celtics. No sense to hark on why Ainge made that move. I did enough about it during the summer and in the early months here before he was left for dead here in Boston. Dallas, or any other team for that matter, should not expect a damn thing from him. His game does not translate well with age, so he may have get one more crack at it this year. But I think the party is over for D. D- Lee. He's had a great career. He's a classy guy. But hey, I mean, he he had a nice run, David. New topic, Washington Wizards. They pick up Markeith Morris from Phoenix at the deadline back on Thursday for what was essentially a draft pick. Set it on the trade deadline special with Justin and John. Just a gamble for a middling team to take for the sake of taking. I was thrilled Boston didn't waste any time with another B-minus guy to see if that he would work out. Listen, he had a great year a few years ago, but... Yes, he may be milling in this season. By the way, milling in this season, it's like an excuse. I could care less how bad of a situation Phoenix is. There's really no reason to do this. But Morris is milling it in down there, and now he's in Washington. And he's still got some off-the-court issues to deal with, by the way. Production is way down, particularly if you look at it from two years ago. He did not even have the most efficient year last year. He had that great year with his brother uh, back in 2014. But I don't know. I'm happy Boston did not go there. Washington, I guess they look at it as... 
they may have a chance to recapture the Markeith Morris of 2014. And for them, it's a gamble worth taking because, hey, why not? They're having an awful year this year. They're still out of the playoffs as of now, despite grabbing a few wins after the All-Star break. Them in Houston, they're definitely the two most disappointing teams in the league. So maybe, maybe they see it as nothing to lose because their season can't get any worse despite playing a little bit better recently. And maybe they can get something. I, I don't know, but in my eyes, not worth the time. Nets draft pick watch, 109, 98 winners at home against the New York Knicks on Friday. Boy, the bricks. Haha. <laughs> I just call them bricks. Haha. <laughs> Gracious, but have they fallen off? They were at least like competitive and worth people's time for the first month or two of the season, but they're absolutely free falling right now. Anyways, Nets win. They win on Friday. They're back in action. Believe tonight, actually, against the Hornets, in which they um and then they play tonight. Yeah, they do. They play tonight against the Hornets in Brooklyn. And then they embark, get hard, Celtics fans, get hard, on a nine-game road trip. Yes, you heard that right. Nine games where seven of them are out west before they finish up with Toronto and Philadelphia. But after Friday's win, they are now no longer the third-worst team in the NBA. That belongs to those Phoenix Suns who have collapsed themselves after playing a little bit better at the beginning of the year. They've been horrible since, I think, beginning of December. But that Hornets game for the Nets tonight, that is a biggie. Charlotte can take that. The Nets can really throw up a string of L's because they play just about every possible West Coast road team you can play outside of the Texas and Southern teams. So this could be where they make their hay on the other end for that pick for the Celtics. So going to a Shirley, well, we, we always do. We do this all the time, but we will surely be keeping an eye on that Nets pick and that game tonight, key game tonight in Brooklyn before they take off for a long, long time and hopefully never to ever return but we will we will unlike this show we will return as it always does every sunday and now if you need more of me you don't have to but if you want remember a little reminder clns radio does now air a pregame show before every celtics game with yours truly where you get the celtics side of things and then go beyond a little enemy lines as well as we did with on friday with david Locke, radio play-by-play of the utah jazz we will do so tomorrow with the Celtics game against Minnesota as well. Again, check out CLNSRadio.com for more details. And, of course, the easiest way, just go ahead and download the CLNS Radio mobile app. Available iTunes, iPhone, Android, all alike. So, But that is going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Steph Legrato, and Astro Vex. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. Remember, you can have a chance to win Celtics tickets by following that account. Again, at Celtics underscore Beat. You can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also, check us out on Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Love to thank our guest, Steve Bullpett of the Boston Herald, as well as our sponsors, SeatGeek and American Farmers Network, for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Chelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I am Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio. Hey!